and uh, preparing for this. Um, I'm kind of one of these guys that when I ask the Lord for direction, and some of it's triggered by some experiences or what I've heard or whatever, what I've seen, but often, often, true confessions, I'll drag everything but the kitchen sink into the, into the sort of the, the basket of stuff that, um, that I need to minister out of, and, uh, and then I have to do, you know, kind of prune off a bunch of stuff and, uh, and uh, end up hopefully with a cohesive message. I'd have to say initially, and, you know, I'm not trying to uh, disqualify myself in any way, but I have to say initially that I'm not a classic teacher. Uh, you know, a classic teacher gives you three points and five points to the three points and all that stuff. If you're looking for that, you can leave now because your brother won't get that. But I, I believe that what God has given me is some, some sense of, uh, of what is actually in his heart uh, for, for all of us as the Church of Jesus Christ. Um, and it, it's within the context of our local, local church body, for sure. But it's also much bigger than that. It's, it's what he has in his heart for the church globally. Um, he only has one body, which is his church. He only has one church. And, you know, we've made a mess of it. Like, when I say we, I mean the, the historical church has made a mess of it. We've, we've, we're classics, um, straining at what? Gnats and swallowing camels, people. Like, we're always dividing about every little thing. And, and some of it, you know, some of it, we got, like, big D doctrinal stuff, we've got to stick with that. But some of it is, does it really make a difference? And um, I'm going to throw this out just for humor. Um, there are people I know who are my brothers and sisters in the Lord who believe that the earth is flat. And anyway, and there's most of us, I guess, the rest of us believe it isn't, that it's some kind of globe. Maybe it's not completely round, but it's definitely spherical in shape. And sometimes, and I've been in some interesting conversations with my brothers and sisters about whether the earth is flat or round, and I think they're nuts when it comes to that. But the point is, let's not major in stuff like, at the end of the day, and this is, this is kind of the argument I came up with, if it is, you're right and I'm wrong, what difference did it, will it ultimately make? But what does make a difference is that what we do on the earth, whatever it's flat or round, is to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we live our lives completely, wholeheartedly, 100% with an attitude that he's the king of the whole earth, whether it's round or flat. And... Uh, so, amen. And in the meantime, I still think that people think it's flat or crazy, but that's, uh, they're my crazy brothers and sisters in the Lord. So this morning, uh, this morning, uh, the, the kind of the principal theme of what I want to share is, uh, you know, uh, Lily asked me this morning, she said, what are you going to preach on today, Poppy? And I said, well, I don't usually give things titles, but... If I was, I would say, this is the title of what I'm going to preach on. I need you. And you need me. And no matter, and I want you to do this. This just one of these goofy exercises we're going to do. I want you to stand up and look around to the people around you and say this to them. I need you and you need me. Or you can do it sitting down if it makes you happy, but... I need you. 
You need me. I need you. <laughs> I need you. I need you. I need you. You need me. I need you. You okay? Okay. She okay? No. No. Sorry. And you need. I need you. How are you, Susan? Okay. I hope I didn't offend her. No. Okay. All right. You got your I need yous and you need me's down. I wasn't planning on doing that, but there you go. So Tom has this expression that he uses very continually. It, we've heard it a, a number of times. I was going to say a hundred times, maybe not quite that many, but everything that God has done to us and for us, he now wants to do through us. Amen? So there is, um, there is something that we are kind of accountable to God for, and that is that we allow him to have his will in us and through us, and to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus, the voice of Jesus in the earth, the voice of the Lord. And the, the one thing about what Jesus promised is that when he left, he said, I'm, I'm going to send you another comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, and, I'm, and he's going to be... He's going to dwell within you. And there was a lot of prayer before the service and even during the service so far about the indwelling Spirit of God. So we're not... He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send you another comforter. Amen? So we need to acknowledge that we have the comforter, the Holy Spirit, within us if we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one thing the Holy Spirit is going to do, he's going to guide us, I trust, into all truth if we'll let him. So, last week Tom talked about friendship, and, uh, and uh, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's something been going on in my mind uh, about, we use the term love a lot um, in Christian circles, and uh, I've been kind of thinking about, and, and of course we have a, an incredibly... Uh, I'm going to use the word perverse. We have a perverse perspective on what love is. And it's the love that God has for us. It's not this kind of romantic, mushy, gushy. There's a, there's a song that we used to sing. I don't like singing. It's, uh, and, and I think it's okay to not necessarily like every song that everybody sings. But I keep falling in love with him. Talking about the Lord over and over and over and over again. Like it's some kind of romantic thing. You don't fall in love with God. God isn't fallen in love with you. He loves us in a way that is not that kind of Hollywood romantic, you know, uh, I don't love you anymore thing that, you know, is the cause of a million divorces. When he says... You know, friendship is, is, um, is love. There's love involved in friendship, but it's not this kind of mushy, gushy stuff. We get to be friends. I'm going to ask you, uh, home, this is going to be a homework question. I'm not going to ask you to, to uh, answer it today. Two parts. 
One first part. And you don't have to, you know, just ponder this this week. Is the love of God for you unconditional? Question mark. Okay. That's the first part of it. The second part is, is friendship with Jesus unconditional? Okay. And I hope by the time the, the service is over today. No. Well, you can if you want to, but it'll take up the whole service, so let's not. You wanted me to take up the whole service? Okay. Yeah, ponder these things in your heart. So, a number of weeks ago, a couple months ago probably, I listened to a part of a sermon that my son-in-law, Jeremy Little, who is now a part of the leadership team in a, in a church in Houston, Texas, was ministering, and he used the terminology radical individuality or radical individualism. Let me explain what I what he explained that meant. We have a perspective of our relationship with God that's very much, and I think this is a very much a North American phenomenon, um, that we have this relationship with God that's me and God, me and God. It's all about me and God. It's about our relationship personally with God, and that's a good place to start. We need to have, obviously, I mean, God doesn't have any grandchildren like I do. Every single one of us has to be born again by the Spirit of God. You can't come ushering into the kingdom on your, on your uh, parents' or grandparents' tail. You have to actually have a personal relationship with God. So that's a me and God thing for sure. You've got to accept the, 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 the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ for yourself. But the reality is, after that, there's a purpose that God has given us to live um, in a horizontal way with one another. God's created us to have relationship, meaningful, profound, deep, loving relationships, and I'm going to flesh out what love really means, loving relationships with one another. And I think the cross is an incredible symbol of what, what our life in, as Christians, our life as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ is all about. Certainly we have the vertical connection with God, which is the principal thing, and, and the fact that top of the cross sticks out above the horizontal member of the cross, I think, is not without significance, because that's principal. But then there's this horizontal member of the cross, which is we have a relationship with one another on the basis of that relationship. Amen? So let's, let's realize that me and God, okay, that's the beginning, but that ain't the end. It's continual, but it's not the end. And moreover, what God has, and I'm going to get into that when I get into, I read some scripture in Ephesians. We have a relationship with one another that is essential, necessary, and truthfully can be difficult. Tom said that friendship, last week he said friendship is non-negotiable, it's essential, it's intentional, it's honest, it's vulnerable, and it's costly. And there's something costly in terms of our relationship with one another. Amen? So radical individualism, if you like, or whatever that big word is that he used, it kind of negates all of that. It doesn't cost you anything because you, you don't have to get into any kind of depth of relationship with anybody. You got, you know, just keep me under the spout where the blessings come out, Lord. That's good. I'm good with that. He said that 
we need to surrender our ideas of friendship and trust Jesus for his. He said friendship is built slowly and we need to take the time to allow friendships to form. Amen? There's probably a whole lot of you, even in this room, and even though there's not many of you, there's probably, oh, there's, there's a bunch of you. I'm not trying to make light of that. There's probably some of you don't like me. And maybe it's because you don't know me very well. And there's probably people that I don't particularly like because I don't know you very well. And, and I think what we need to have as God's people is an attitude towards one another where we're more ears than mouth. And I've, I've said this more than once. God gave us two ears, one mouth. That means we should be those in our relationship with one another. We should be listeners first. Listen twice as much as we speak. But that doesn't mean you don't speak. You just listen more. Amen? Okay, so I'm going to turn in Scripture now to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I got two Bibles with me this morning. That's... Um, Incidentally, the reason I do that is there are two different versions. And let me uh, challenge you not to be afraid to have a favorite Bible. No, it's serious. Like, I, I remember, like, when I first got saved, everybody was reading the King James Bible. And I read the King James Bible, and I memorized huge quantities of the King James Bible, and that's all good and well, and, I, and as a result, I know a lot of Scripture. But sometimes that old archaic King James language is, what, what's they actually saying? So if you read other translations, you kind of get that fleshed out a little bit more. So it's not bad to resource other translations of the Word of God. So anyway, have your favorite, but don't be afraid to look at others. Amen? So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and believe it or not, I'm going to read the whole chapter, I think. No, 16 verses, I think. But anyway, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, you can say Jesus is Lord. Anybody can say Jesus is Lord. But what I think what the Apostle Paul is saying here is say it and mean it. Jesus is Lord. You can't do that except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given, and this is where I want you to kind of drill down, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I'm going to pause for a moment there. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now what do you think common good means? Anyone? Josh, you got an idea? Uh, the collective good. The collective good, so the good of Okay. Anyone else? Okay. That's right. That's good. To help each other. Right. 
So to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for the, for the help of everyone. So we'll read on now. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. Now I'm going to pause again. So there is a diversity of, of spiritual gifts that Paul outlines here. And I know we've, there can be a lot of controversy about some of these. Like for instance, tongues and interpretation, tongues, the gift of tongues. There are certain segments of the church that believe that if you don't speak in tongues, you, you don't have the Holy Spirit and all of that. I don't believe that. But the, tongues is a real gift, interpretation, all of that. The problem with us is we tend to emphasize the ones that need to be de-emphasized and de-emphasize the ones that need to be emphasized, and they're not, they're not all of necessarily equal value in terms of building up the body of Christ. Does that make sense to you? So if I began to speak in tongues, let me just, okay, I'll just do it right now. Kerana sukuravates kimishondoruko horeate amanda kondis. Irados nishikriyas karabantos kinkriyati atoramakatis. For instance, did that do any of you any good? Unless somebody would interpret that, right? So I could do that. I could do that every day, all day long. But what good is it if there's not interpretation and that that is not actually edifying the body of Christ? You guys can do that. It's not hard. But the point is, what's the point? Amen? That freak you out, by the way? Okay. Considering where it came from, right? <laughs> For just as the body is one and has many members, and this is, again, I want to zero in on this. Just as the body is one and has many members. So how many bodies does Christ have? One body. How many members does he have? Right. Billions, probably. And all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. That's naturally speaking. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And in the natural, as the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are indispensable. 
and on these parts of the body that we think less honorable we bestow the greater honor and on and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our most presentable parts do not require but God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it that there be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another and then it says if one member suffer and this is talking about in the human body but it's also applicable to the body of Christ if one member suffer all suffer together um, there's a little thing. How many of you have ever had a sliver? Most of us, right? Dan didn't put his hand up because he said, what a dumb question. I've had hundreds of them. <laughs> um, and it's a sliver is a, you know, you can get a sliver in your finger and it's a tiny little thing. It's like almost invisible. I've had slivers I can't even see. They're a metal, little metal sliver or something. You look in there, why does that hurt so much? But the thing is, it totally distracts you. It's like it's it's you your whole it's like your whole being is focused on that little thing. It's like you can't forget about it. And I think this is what it's saying within the context of the body of Christ. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, and this is leadership here. God has appointed in the church apostles, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. And then it's asked the rhetorical question, are all apostles? And what would you say? No. Um, are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Probably not. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And then he says in the end of this chapter, I will show you the most excellent way. And then he gets into chapter 13, the great, the great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm just making a lot of noise. Amen. So... Here's, here's essentially my point. I, I said I, I would have titled this, I need you and you need me. The reality is God doesn't give any individual, regardless of how highly they might think of themselves, he does not give any individual all the gifting. But he's given, he's distributed the gifting severally, or that's an old King James word, he's distributed the gifting based on the fact that we all need each other, and we, we're going to continue to need each other. If I had it all, I wouldn't need you. If you had it all, you wouldn't need me. But I need you, and you need me, because otherwise we're never going to be the body of Christ the way he has meant it to be and demonstrate to the world the reality of the, the kingdom of God in its fullness. Amen? Does that make sense? So it's easy. And, and one of the things I said earlier when I came up... Um, that kind of bad timing there. I came up before Heather came up, and I shared about worship. But the, the reality is we need to be um, focused on the Lord and focused on what He wants and focused on being what He wants us to be, not just come to church and 
even the way we do churches, the way church is set up, we got a podium, we got a pulpit, we got a bunch of comfortable chairs. It's sort of, sort of like entertainment and audience is kind of how it's, everything is set up. And I don't just mean in the circle theater. I mean, most churches are set up that way. And that's fine for Sunday mornings or sun, twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday night. But the reality is we're meant to be more interactive and relational. Amen? Not just, you know, it was really good. What did the sermon pastor say? I don't know, but he sure said it nice. What did he say? I don't remember. But it sure was nice. He's got a nice voice. Well, that doesn't cut it. Anyway, sorry. So in First Peter, or sorry, Second Peter, one. starting at verse 3. I'm going to read uh, 3 to 8 here. It says, God's power, divine power, has granted to, all, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, and this is, here I, here I want to really go after this, guys. For this very reason, make every effort. So there's something involved here. What's make every effort, uh, Peter is saying to the church. Make every effort. There's some kind of energy involved in this, some kind of effort on your part. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. And then he says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you read that, Peter is saying to the church, there's something required of you here. There's, there's yes, you, you've entered into relationship with God. Now, he says, make every effort. So there's something, there's something within us that we need to strive towards the Lord and, and actually allow these things to happen and do them in our lives. Now, one of the, the final things, he says, in brotherly affection, and add to brotherly affection with love. In the Amplified Version of the Bible, um, and verse 7b, which is that, that verse, it says, um, add, um, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love, and it says Christian love here, is... This is, a, uh, I really like this definition of love. Christian love is seeking, unselfishly seeking, the best for others. 
and doing things for their benefit without any regard for yourself. Okay, so you're unselfishly seeking the best for others. This is what, do you have to have a feeling of a mush, any kind of mushy feeling to do something unselfishly towards others? If you did, if this was true, then for Jesus to say to us, love your enemies, how would you have a mushy feeling for your enemy? Because if he's your enemy, he's not your friend, is he? Hmm? No. You guys are awful quiet. I don't know whether I'm just missing the point here today or what. I could be. So if, you're, if you need a mushy feeling to, do, to love people, well, then you're, you're, you're missing the point. It's not what you feel. And I see, the thing I've, I feel really strongly about is a lot of times we'll, 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 we'll uh, make our relationship all about how we feel. Or a relationship with the Lord. I didn't feel the presence of the Lord today. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The fact you didn't feel anything doesn't mean he went anywhere. And a lot of times, a lot of times, I read a bumper sticker once. Does God feel far away? Who moved? God didn't. He doesn't leave us nor forsake. He promised us. And you know, like... The reality is, I, I shared before church, this old lady that used to come to our church years ago, her name was Sister Rainer, and she played the tambourine and wore these funky hats, and she was 80-some years old, banging away on her tambourine, just worshiping the Lord. But she, she said this, and I want you to understand this is true. She said, I know the Lord is here, because I brought him with me. And the reality is, that's the way it needs to be. He doesn't live in the circle theater. He, he lives inside of us, and when we come together, there's some kind of synergy that we need to recognize. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. There's some kind of incredible synergy that we're not tapping into. And a lot of times we'll come, and it's not that we shouldn't receive when we come. Sure, we should receive. But we better come with an attitude of not just taking, but giving. Having an attitude of wanting to share. Having an attitude of how can I contribute to the kingdom of God? Not just on Sunday mornings or whenever we get together in community groups, but all the time. How can I encourage my brothers and sisters? How can I be instrumental in building them up in this most holy faith? How can I see to it that, that they can be all they can be? How can I help them be all they can be? Prefer them over myself. That they can be all that they can be to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what love is all about. And if you're waiting for the feeling, you, know, you might wait a long time. Just do it. I don't feel like it. Do it anyway. Amen? And little things make a big difference. Man. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a, I think it's a psalm, and there's a song we sing, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. My brother has this expression, and please don't be grossed out by this. But he says, how much poop does it take to spoil a birthday cake? Not very much. If you knew there was any on there at all, it would spoil. And, and that's the way it is with encouragement and discouragement. It only takes a little tiny bit of discouragement. And all of a sudden, you could have a hundred women. I'm looking at you. You could have a new outfit on. You walk around so, you know, feeling good. And you could have a hundred people say, wow, 
Isn't that beautiful? Wow, new dress. But you have one person's, what do you, what do you got on? I'll tell you what you remember. You don't remember the hundred that said it was, you'll remember the one, what do you got on? Right? So it doesn't take much discouragement to get discouraged. But it takes, it takes, let's not be discouragers, but encouragers. Let's build one another up in this holy, you know, the kingdom of God is real. The, the sovereignty of God is real. The world is full of crap. It is. It's getting crazier by the day. But the reality is Jesus Christ is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And of the increase, it says in Isaiah, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So let's be a people that believe for increase today of his kingdom. Believe that he's going to establish righteousness in the earth instead of all the crazy, nutty things that are going on when you can't tell what a woman is or something like that. Anyway, let's not make it political. But we need to be, we need to be people that know what sin is and know what righteousness is. Um, there's a scripture, I think it's in Isaiah, that says, Woe to those that call good evil and evil good. You know, if it's evil, it's evil. And we know what's evil because God said it was. And the reason Jesus came wasn't just to improve our life. A lot of what we have today in, our, in a lot of the messages is Jesus, the life improver. He walks alongside of you and he makes your life sweet. Well, maybe. But it could be harder following the Lord than it was not following him for a time. But the reality is, he'll, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen? Anyway, I'm all over the place. Praise the Lord. Haven't lost my touch. But let's, uh, let's be those people, brothers and sisters, who know that we need each other. And we're going we're gonna to encourage one another. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to build one another up. We're going to see the kingdom of God established. If not here, then where? If not now, then when? If not, you know, now, with us, with whom? Right? Let's be the ones that say, Lord, come on. Have your way. Here, in this little tiny group. Let's have a Gideon's revival. You know that story, right? Now you got too many. Send them home. You got too many. You got to send them home. Left with 300 guys with clay pots <laughs> and lanterns. We're going to go fight the Midianites or whatever. Who, where are they? The Midianites? Josh, you don't know? Okay, he's going to say, yep, anyway. So anyway, 300 guys with clay pots and lanterns. We're going to fight the enemy. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen? So here we are. We want to be Gideon's revival. Let's have the victory. I'm going to quit now, okay? Father, we're grateful for, yeah, we're just grateful for you, Lord. Grateful for the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Thank you that your shed blood is sufficient to cleanse every man and woman of all their sin and to make them new creatures, Lord. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. 
Thank you that you've come to give us life and that more abundantly. Lord, we want to we wanna just be everything we can be by your grace. That we might bring glory to your name, Jesus Christ. Let the earth be filled with your glory, Lord. In this our day, as the waters cover the sea. Thank you for these precious brothers and sisters of mine, Lord. I pray blessing on each household. I pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in their lives. What's broken would be repaired, God. What's, what's sick would be healed. I pray for the finances in this, in this house. I pray for everyone in this church that you would provide everything they need in Jesus' name. And may the testimonies that come forth, God, in the days and the weeks to come, be those that glorify you and acknowledge you as the source of every good thing. We thank you and praise you in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Okay. Yeah. Sounds really good. Yeah.